you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest featuring two veteran operatives and one duly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? <laughs> I'm glad that it's the end of the week. It's been, it's been a week. It's been a week. The less said about it, the better, but it's been a week. I'll just, I'll just say that it has been a week that has involved the... Th- the three cats in our whole household all somehow having some form of GI bug. And I will leave the rest of that to your imagination, dear listeners. Gross. We all survived, though. They're all in the men. <laughs> That's good. I don't really know how to follow that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have, you don't have a, 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 a witty rejoinder to... Uh, Cat barf? No, but the animals in our house are healthy, and I don't have to clean up either of their shit usually. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. But other than cat barf, <laughs> I mean, there were things other than cat barf, Justin. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're sparing you the uh, non-cat barf related discussion. The cat barf was the high point, apparently. Oh gosh. <laughs> like I said, uh, it's been a week. Yeah, I don't have anything. Literally, I don't have anything better. I would of the things that are annoyed me this week. Uh, I would have taken a a cat barf related uh, story <laughs> in exchange. That's where my week's at. So wow, ask we me all a, just had ask a me great about my this week. impending dental bills. So I mean, I could talk about like the thing I'm proud of this week if we want to like please at least do have please do oh please no do. I'll, I will say the, the the good thing that happened this week is uh. Star Trek Picard started airing for realsies. And yeah. now Justin can, now we can talk to Justin about the thing he's yeah. they've already seen. Uh, and I quite enjoyed the first episode, mostly because it was fun to see Picard and Riker just broing around. Like I know stuff happened, but that was, that was all I took out of it. was yeah. just, that's all I wanted for really, the show. I mean, it's yeah. like, there is a plot and there is drama that happens, but it's a good, like you get, it's a good vibe show. Like it, it's, it's the good vibe show that it was missing, like which, like yeah. I get the like. Uh, Stuart didn't just want to do a reunion tour or whatever, but like, yeah. this is honestly a lot of fun. We'll talk about it off air, but there was a moment in that sh- in in that episode that had me absolutely fucking dying. <laughs> so, um. Anyways, the thing I am proud of this week that I, that I, that I'm going to share, so we can like we can actually do this on a high note and like go into this. Yes, please. Um, in the, in the week since we have recorded, I have gone to Ikea alone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I, I was on the, on the, uh, so like I moved. I, I want to clarify listeners. You hear me laughing in the background. 
I don't want you to think that I am unsympathetic. It is the exact opposite. I'm laughing because my immediate internal reaction was legitimate, actual pride yeah. in Justin. Yeah. And then laughing at myself, at my reaction to that, that I was like legitimately proud of you for, for doing I, that. You are a stronger <laughs> person than I, Justin. I So I went in, I got... Pretty much exactly what I needed. I, I was like, I need, like, I moved back in 2021 and I still have a lot of boxes because I'm very bad at like unpacking and like organizing. So, like, I got a bookshelf. Basically, there's, there is a space between, I have like a big corner desk that, um, I work at. And I also, this is where also where I record. And between the desk and my bed, there's like a space that was like, there, like, there was, there wasn't anything there and it was really an, and it was just like, I could put something there. I could put like a little table or something. So I got a bookcase for there. Oh, nice. For like board games. And I, I assembled a piece of Ikea furniture without crying. Amazing. <laughs> That's a twofer. Yeah. I'm like, this is like, this is, you so, went there. You didn't break into tears ostensibly at the Ikea and then you put it together without crying. Yeah, That's, I know. It's like, I, that I is that is some killing it right there. And I didn't even have to like, I didn't have to take anything apart and redo a step or anything. Amazing. I'm like, I, uh, would you, would you like to know my, my Ikea related shame? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have literally never put together a piece of Ikea without at least one piece being on backwards. <laughs> That's amazing. I am, wow. I am four, I am 41 goddamn years old. And I have literally never mastered how to properly put together Ikea oh. furniture. I have a row of Ikea bookcases in my office and all of them have at least one piece where like the particle board edge is showing because oh. I apparently am just not capable of that. I, have, I made a human, I have a but I can't make a bookcase. Well, no, I didn't make a human. I contributed to the making of a human. Yeah, I was going to say that. But but um, the bookcase is more compli- is is too complicated for for me. I the other the 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 other part of this that it's like we're is that now because I'm like because I've got like a space for it now because my desk is like cluttered with shit. I have my switch on top of the bookcase now, which then so I have two monitors. And yeah, this is this is this should get cut. Don't cut it. Um so like there's this the secondary monitor I have has a switch to flip it between HDMI inputs between PS5 and my actual computer because you know it's like you know sometimes I need dual monitors sometimes I'm fine leaving stuff up and I'm playing games. Now I have a second switch. So there is the monitor cable and a game cable that goes into another splitter. So it goes to game and then it switches between the PS5 and the Switch. Amazing. I feel like I am like, I feel like I have done like the two, like I've plugged the cord <laughs> into itself and made infinite energy. <laughs> uh, this That's was, pretty good. This was, this was the uh, Bob Pod home decoration section. <laughs> I put I put together so much IKEA in my life, just just I'm, so much. I'm the, I feel I, like I'm overconfident now. I'm the I'm the go to like <laughs> IKEA assembler for whatever friend group I'm in at any given moment. Um, I'm I'm the person who gets called in to assemble everything. Cool, cool. I'm, I'm the person. I'm the person who managed to assemble a sectional couch that had the warning of like requires three people. Minimum. Oh, God. I did it myself. 
<laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> and that, that couch is like has held up, you know, just needed to like, you know, bring out some bring out some like props. Anyways, this is not an IKEA podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next season. Highlights of IKEA. I want a super cut of every time I've said this is not a Blake podcast. <laughs> Let's get uh, Chat GPT on that. Yeah. I I I asked Chat GPT to write wrestling promos this week. That was interesting. Anyways, this is not an AI this is not an AI podcast either. Well, no, <laughs> wait, sorry, wait. it is. Wait, wait. <laughs> and speaking of artificial intelligence, the two episodes we're covering are very AI heavy. Um the we're covering episodes eleven and twelve of season four, If Then Else and Control Alt Delete. I don't know who has If Then Else, that but whoever me. it is. Okay, Anna, take us away. This one was written by Denise Tay and directed by Chris Fisher. So everyone, uh, buckle up, because this episode is a ride. Uh, Picking up from last episode, Samaritan has crashed the stock market, and Team Machine need to infiltrate the stock exchange to install some form of countermeasures and prevent further financial ruin. Uh, Shaw heads to the subway to snag the code for the server room from a dude with access who's on the subway. Uh, And the rest of the team sneak in and head to the sub-basement, or sub to the power of six basement, to find said server room. Things, of course, go immediately pear-shaped. Shaw's metro train happens to also contain a dude in a bomb vest who wants to kill the banker sitting next to him and, like, everybody else on the train. And also, Samaritan operatives immediately flood into the sub-basement to take out Team Machine, uh, who have to take cover in a break room while asking the machine for a new plan. Which is where our episode conceit comes in. The machine has to run some simulations to try to figure out a scenario where both the secondary objective, save the stock market, and primary objective, same save team machine, are possible. The first simulation, which is option number 336,742, involves Root and Finch heading to the server room while John and Fusco secure their exit. Shaw attempts to talk down the would-be bomber on the train, but fails and has to shoot him before he detonates the bomb and is arrested without obtaining the door code. Harold and Root shoot their way into the server room and manage to install the software, but Finch is shot and dies in Root's arms while Fusco and Reese are outnumbered. So we rewind to the break room and start again, this time with option 506,738. Harold and Root are now the ones off to secure the exit while John and Fusco are going to the servers. Shaw still fails at taking down the bomber, and Fusco and John are overwhelmed in the server room. John locks Fusco in a closet before being fatally shot, and his last act is to detonate a grenade and take out all of the Samaritan operatives in the room. Root calls Shaw and declares her love before being shot by Martine. With only four seconds left to make a decision, we rewind for one last simulation. Option number 833,333. We no longer split the party. Everyone heads to the server room together, and Shaw successfully talks down the bomber and gets the door code. The machine simplifies the simulation with hilarious results and concludes that this strategy will at least succeed at the secondary objective and leaves a whole 2.07% chance for the team's survival. We've got a winner. (laughs) Back in real time, the team implements the plan and it works as predicted by the simulation. They install the software but are trapped by Martine before they can get to the elevator. But something happens in this version that we didn't see in the simulation. The cavalry arrives! 
Shaw crawls through a horrifying amount of air vents to help the team escape. They make it to the elevator, but realize that one of them must stay behind to operate the controls. Shaw kisses Root and runs out of the elevator to press the button. And as the rest of the team watch through the narrowing gap in the elevator door as it ascends, uh, Martine shoots Shaw twice and she goes down, leaving her fate uncertain as Martine aims a gun at her head and a shot rings out. Or was it the sound of the elevator door slamming shut? Only time will tell. Hey, Jude, what yeah. do you call a sub to the sixth power? Bobby Drake. <laughs> I'm assuming this is an X-Men joke. Yes. That's very good. What an episode. Holy shit. It's, it is legit. Yeah. I think along, they're very different episodes, but along with relevance, I think these, I think there, there's a couple episodes for like what you could consider the other, like, these are two of the three best ep- like those are two of the three best mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. of person interest in my opinion. And there's a th- and I think you can debate about the third, but and what order they go in, but these are two of the three like two of the yeah. best. Yeah. 100% agree with that statement. Um It was, inc- it was incredible. I have so many feelings about this episode. I So first of all, the first thing I want us to do is talk a little bit about the sort of meta discussion about this episode <laughs> before we dive into the details. And the first thing I want to do is say something about what's not in the version of the episode we see in streaming. And I don't know if Justin necessarily saw this. Did you watch this episode live? I, when it aired, I did Justin? not watch any of it on television. You so. want to know what really fucking sucked about watching this live on, on TV? What's that? Every time uh, a simulation ended, it cut to commercial break. Oh, that's good. That's so it's great. good. It's great. But what a fucking like gut wrencher moment because you would get to the end of a simulation and then it would just be like this. Yank oh, wow. I love that. That's wait. amazing. That makes it. I, it was wow. really good. But I remember that so distinctly because it was so well done that you would get to the end and you'd just be like, oh, fuck, they're, they're, they're screwed. And then it would cut to commercial break and then yank you back in. Wow. And you would come back for the next simulation. Also, I just so. realized that I got so excited describing the like simulation and mm-hmm. main event, like real time events of the plot that I completely forgot to summarize the uh the flashbacks. So we get oh, yeah. we get flashbacks this time that are Harold teaching the machine how to play chess in a public park. Mm-hmm. And they're not even flashbacks per se. They're the machine like diving deep into its simulation schema. It's to, yeah. like, like it's, a it's memory. memories. Yeah. Like rebuilding its, uh, how it's, a, how it is assessing these situations. And, and that's it's like part of how, well, we're, we're getting flashbacks from the machine's point of view this time. Yeah, basically. But I, I'll say that the, uh, so, so Harold teaches the machine how to play chess you know, and kind of walks it through, you know, what, you know, how to sort through the, you know, numerous possible moves. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, the machine learns to beat him. And then when it asks to play again, he refuses saying that he doesn't he doesn't enjoy chess, because it requires sacrificing pieces. And he uses it as a moment to teach the machine that, um, that it shouldn't consider anybody to be sacrificed you know, sacrificeable, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, nobody should be a pawn. Yeah. Well, and specifically there's a, 
an absolutely amazing line. Anyone who looks at the world as if it's a game of chess deserves to lose. Yeah. Which is such combined with the like simulation assessment teaching that he's been doing with the machine, teaching the machine to like assess scenarios and all that is such a good lesson to teach the machine that like, yes, you have to assess all the possibilities and all this stuff, but also you have to, you you can't forget the reality of what you're, of what you're doing. Your priorities uh, is so good. Um, the one other meta thing I did want to acknowledge is this episode uh, before we had Anna watch this episode, we reassured Anna that this was not a an exit, a uh, a permanent exit for Shaw. They were not writing her out of the series or anything like that. Uh, Shaw's exit in this episode was due to the fact that Sarah Shahai, the actress who plays her, uh, had recently become pregnant with twins, and had talked with the writing staff and the producers and had made the personal decision that for the strength, the, the nature of the character was she didn't want to do the uh, sitcom constantly appearing behind desks maneuver to conceal her pregnancy mm-hmm. because Shaw is uh, an active character. Yeah. So they worked with her to find a way to take her out of the, the, the action on the show and then bring her back in potentially later when she had recovered from childbirth and was ready to come back. Yeah. Which is, it's that's, that's always really nice when, um, when showrunners yeah. are mm-hmm. willing to kind of like work around stuff like that and, you know, and work and work it into the narrative in a like reasonable way. Um, yeah. And I have to say like, yeah. also, you know, even even if I, I definitely appreciate that you folks gave me that information ahead of time. Um but but this also felt very different to me than Carter because it because it was like it was Shaw's choice to like stay behind and press the button. That even if it even yeah. if it'd been the end of Shaw, I would have been a lot less upset because it would have seen like so much less yeah. just random happenstance tragedy. Yeah. I I love Shaw in this episode. I love her her the way she goes down. Um and we'll talk about that. But I I I do think it's important to recognize that this was a a choice that was made by the actress. Uh and they might have kept her on in those episodes and just like worked around her her pregnancy, but she made the choice that she didn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh she she felt like for the integrity of the character that it needed to go down this different way. And I think I really respect that. Uh, I think it speaks to the the creative integrity of the show. Yeah. So I, I think that's very cool. So anyway, uh, so let's talk and, about And it the seems show. like they were leaving their options open on that until kind of like, not yeah. maybe not the last minute, but like up until this episode, they it could have easily been like Shaw stays in you know, the subway mm-hmm. tunnel HQ and just like runs things on the computer because we've even had an episode that showed exactly. that she's competent yeah. at that. That like, yeah. you know, it would have been it would have been a reasonable way to go. But I, you know, I think that this yep, was a better exactly. choice for the character. Agreed. Yeah. But it's but it, um, it, it's kind of nice thinking in retrospect that like it feels like they, you know, they kept their options open for mm-hmm. how to how to yeah. handle it. 
the first thing I want to say about this episode is that it scares me. Like it's really, really good. But one of the things that I don't think, uh, certainly I didn't think about the first time I watched it, but that I appreciate it more every time I watch it subsequently is how goddamn terrifying the machine is when you think about the fidelity of its simulations are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It simulates what, especially what makes me think of it is I was thinking about Root's finale in the, I think it's the second simulation where she calls Shaw wanting to hear Shaw say she had a chance. Yeah. Before Martine kills her. Woof. That's like the thing she wants to hear before she dies. Yeah. Which is intense. And in the in the in the reality version, in the final run through, she actually does start to have that conversation with Shaw. So we know that the machine accurately modeled Root's like interiority well enough to know where her mind would go in that moment. Yeah. And it's not just Root, it's like all of them. The only person who like routinely breaks that mold that isn't Root, who is pre-informed of, of what's going to happen and is acting on that pre-information. Because like Root moves the, the Degas knowing what, what's going to happen there. Knowing that every simulation involved the Degas getting destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the only thing detail. that is different is what Fusco calls Root. Yeah. He calls her various, he calls her different things than what the machine simulates. He'll call her. Mm. Other than that, like everybody pretty much go like pretty, pretty exactly goes exactly as the machine simulates. Think about how fucking insane that is that the machine is able to model this team and not just this team, but the people around mm -hmm. like that's absolutely goddamn terrifying to me <laughs> Yeah, that the machine is that fucking sophisticated and powerful and that it knows these people in particular that well that it knows how they will react and speak and like and the, the the simplified simulation honestly highlights that as well um that we've got the simplified <laughs> the, yeah. simulation where it's like you know they're saying stuff like you know witty sarcastic delivered Cooley delivered yeah. sadistic warning, self-deprecating inquiry into the time necessary to infiltrate system, funny yet insightful retort. Yeah, yeah. and all of those are exactly right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I that had to have been one of the writers, right? Just like yeah, <laughs> and I like that they deliver the lines in exactly the right tone of voice. Yeah, too. yeah. So the machine is basically like, I know what they'll say here, but I'm not going to take the time to model exactly yeah. what the words will be. Right. I don't need to. It's fine. It's just great. But I, I think that was as I was driving around today to, to run some errands, I was thinking about this episode still. And mm -hmm. that was the part that really stuck out in my mind was just like, God damn, like people are fucking complicated and their interiority is some of the most complicated parts, the things they say under stressful conditions and the machine fucking predicted like roots, final words. And granted root is like the human being next to Finch that the machine knows best in the world, mm -hmm. probably, mm -hmm. but still terrifying. 
one one thing that I really enjoy is how the machine like starts piecing together information and like is slowly more successful with each. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's built off of little things like Fusco being the one to take the earpiece off the guard. Like, and they never showed again, but it shows, oh, Fusco is going to impersonate the Samaritan agent to get them off to like mm-hmm. blow them off. Yeah. buys Yeah. It buys them an extra couple percentage. That's another thing too. Uh, that was another thing I really liked was the, the way that when Shaw shows up, the survival percentage just rockets up out of the red. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like the machine is like, Oh, thank Christ. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Survivability there. Um, <laughs> and then the inverse of that as, as she's left behind and it just goes zero. Yeah. And yeah. it, and my, my, my first thought when I was watching that is because it's the audio of root is dropped out. And all you see is like her script, like the, uh, the rest of the team is holding root back mm-hmm. as she's struggling to get back to the gate, to get back to Shaw. They're even like pulling her fingers back through the grate. Yeah. yeah. Is that that's functional. That's functionally the machine's version of screaming is that it's, it's, you look how far down the percentage it calculates. Yeah. It gets down to like 16 or 17 digits or something like that. It's calculated, calculating those odds of her survival way, way down. The, the contrast of that with Shaw mixed in with a little foreknowledge, uh, uh, knowledge of what's to come in the, the future makes me very much, gave me the thought that like the machine is screaming along with Root here. Mm-hmm. Its primary objective here is to save the team, and one of its team is dying right now. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. looks like it. It's, it's, it's fascinating, too, to me. One of the things that I noticed is that saving the stock market was the secondary objective for, th- for the simulations. The first, the first objective for the machine was getting everybody the fuck out of there. Yeah. And that's reinforced in the flashbacks where Finch is like, you can't treat people like pawns. Um, like nobody's discardable. It's it's granny it Justin, it's granny weatherwax. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that evil is treating people as things. Exactly. Something that I also like really enjoy from a like production standpoint in this episode are the like really good slow-mo shots. Oh my god, yeah. Those are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um and and the choice of the the glitch mob song for the where they like blast out of the break room door. Just yeah. genius. I I, I mean yeah. I fucking love the glitch mob just like in general. And that was a great song for that piece of action because like partly because it it does so well on a repeat. It's a very good uh song choice for like being stealthy like it's like a stealthy secret agent thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the shipping. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say one more yeah. thing on the episode structure, yeah. which is that um, I guess, I guess. So I thought that the simulation angle was really cool, just mm. super well implemented. And I think that they did a really good job of like making, making the loop structure clear, but like, and making what's, what changes clear, but not like rehashing mm. the same ground over and over. Um, but also <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, every show has to have a Groundhog Day episode, and this was it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like we get, we don't get a, t- like there isn't like a ton of funny moments, but the one that gets me every time because I forget it happens is Fusco kissing Root and saying, what the hell? It's a simulation. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I die. I, I love that. I love that. That's, and I, yeah, I love that bit. It was amazing. One thing I really appreciate about the structure is that in spite of the fact that you know that these are simulations. Mm-hmm. Because like you, it it shows you clearly that they're simulations, but it, the way that they're shot and the way that they're they're they it keeps them very tense. Yeah. So when they go wrong, it still feels very real. Yeah. When Harold gets shot, that's like that really, like it doesn't feel like a throwaway moment mm-hmm. when Harold gets shot, or when or when John chooses to blow himself and the Samaritan up. Yeah, operatives up after stuffing Fusco in its into a closet. Yeah, yeah. It it you feel the 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 impact of those yeah. moments, which I think is really really well done. Um, it makes those those loops feel very uh weighty, yeah. like there's a, a a a a use to them that the machine is is it's spending these seconds on these loops, and you can feel the weight of them. Yeah, which I really like every single second that Root and Shaw are talking in this episode is so good. So we have gotten to the episode <laughs> where the Tumblr tag or like, I guess like there, there was like the poor man toe and like slash name, but like there was a Tumblr tag. That was a quote from this episode. You and me would be a four alarm fire in an oil refinery. Uh, yeah, that was is, there. That, that was the tag to find their shipping stuff yeah, on Tumblr. Four alarm fire. A four alarm fire off in an yeah. oil refinery. Um, and this was a this is such a good episode for Shaw too in terms of like character development because I mean she manages to talk down the like suicide bomber on the metro yeah. mm-hmm. like holy shit yeah. Shaw you did it like wow I know you were talking about like like earlier in the season that you're like, it feels like Shaw, like Root is a lot more into Shaw than Shaw is into Root. Yeah. And it, and it was like, just, just wait, just wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it'll be, in, I hope that we get to you know, delve into this some more in the future. Uh, Cause it's interesting to me. I felt like this episode made it clear to me that Shaw has been maybe holding back because she feels like, she can't like give equally to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this ver- to me it, it very much sh- shows that it's not that she's not interested, yeah. but that she feels like it's not safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that she knows that Root is looking for a relationship and not just like a casual fuck. Yeah, which I think is really interesting, and it like it really shows how far Shaw has come. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I just love Roots. The fact that the thing that the machine accurately models that the fact that the last thing Root wants before she dies is to know that she had it, that there was a chance with her and Root, with with her and Shaw. And then it's true, you know, in in this moment, she's that's what she wants to talk to 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 Shaw about is just unbelievable. Uh, it's so, it just, it's so intense 
to me that that's it shows how far Root has come. Um, and then that moment with them where Shaw is admitting to the attraction and saying, you know, giving the, that those classic lines. Mm-hmm. So you're saying maybe someday, and the look on Root's face is so she's just lit up. Mm-hmm. She is so so happy, and then. Shaw kisses her and punts her into the the elevator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Root. Yeah. Is a fucking mess when the gate closes. Yeah. It's such an emotional fucking roller coaster there. And and we'll get into and we'll start getting into some of that aftermath in next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I you can't I I cannot re- cannot recommend highly enough to watch these two back to back because you really are denying yourself the yeah. I was I was really like if if these two hadn't like if these two hadn't been in like naturally would have been in our yeah. or, order I would have I would uh, we would have gimmicked the schedule yeah yeah for sure I did want to call out one last thing for the episode that I thought was really yeah. interesting in the flashbacks where Harold and the machine are playing chess he notes that the machine likes the queen. Because the queen can move yeah. in any direction, you know. The queen has a, can move in move in any direction, do anything it wants, you know. Um, and I'm like, ah. So with root, the machine made a queen. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that was my that was my my thought as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was very. I, I really liked that. All right, ready to move on to Control Alt Delete? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this episode well, is episode twelve of season four, written by Andy Callahan and directed by Stephen Sergic. Our opening sounds a little funny because it's not Finch; it's Control. In Machine View, we learn that Root and Reese are on a rampage. Breaking into the security vault that stores the surveillance footage for the stock exchange. We also see that Samaritan's stock crash is being blamed on a computer glitch. As the episode opens properly, we see Control dropping her daughter off at school. On the way to work, after being summoned by Samaritan via text message, uh, she stops off at the White House to chat with the chief of staff who is stressing over the stock market crash. She reassures him that it wasn't a terrorist attack. Back in his office, the Samaritan child of the corn takes credit for the attack <laughs> and says it wants, he wants to talk to the president uh, and that he'll be back with and offers some proof via stock market predictions. Meanwhile, Control gets the skinny on a new threat. She gives the go on the elimination, but not before there's a tense moment with a man who is her Samaritan liaison. When one of the targets isn't in the house they attack, they get they try to get to his computer, but Samaritan won't show them its contents. Control demands to see that, and when liaison declines, she presses the issue. Samaritan's response is to shut down her access completely. They talk to Samaritan's pet. Is it Senator or Congressman? Senator. I can't remember. Senator. Uh, who in turn gets a call from Greer, and Control is put in her place, reluctantly. Control, however, is not happy about this and goes around Samaritan, or tries to, by calling Grice, one of the agents on the op, to get him to get the hard drive before killing the man. Before Grice can do can do so, however, the hard drive melts down and Samaritan sees 
her on a passing cell phone, warning her to stop. Control tries to get y- Yassim, the man that they've been trying to track down, before he can get on board a train to, ch- to Canada. But just as she's about to catch him, Reese and Root T-bone her in classic Reese style. Uh, or no, Reet and Roos. Reet and Roos? And Roos. <laughs> Reet and Roos. Let me try that. That goes, that goes in the... That Aaron, goes in. if you do not leave that in, our friendship is over. <laughs> Control tries to get Yassim before he can get to Canada on the train. But just as she's about to catch him, Reese and Root, who T-boned her usual security detail earlier in the day, show up and use Schrodinger's rocket launcher on her car, causing it Schrodinger's to flip. Schrodinger's rocket launcher, June? Chekhov's rec- rocket launcher. God damn, I am does, all, Chekhov's rocket because launcher. Because does this... I am is there a is there a question about whether the rocket launcher exists or doesn't exist? So yeah, well yeah, I mean you put you put a you put an AT4 in a box that you cannot look into. There is a there's a radioactive chemical with a half life. So the rocket will be either fired is is both simultaneously fired and unfired. I mean that checks out for me. Anyway, I'm sure that's a weapon in Destiny or something. <laughs> Probably. Control wakes up in a cage on. Uh, strapped to a chair with Reese and Roots uh, beginning to interrogate her about Shaw. The only part that seems to shake control is when Reese mentions that Samaritan agents have been hanging out around her home. Root begins to torture control with a taser and the knowledge of how control herself was orphaned. Root is about to take it too far when Finch appears. Finch tells control about the stock exchange and before her ISA rescuers can uh, show up, he tells her that that was the whole goal. He expects that one of her rescuers is in fact a Samaritan agent, and their goal is to lure the Samarit- uh, one of the Samaritan-infected phones close enough for him to hack it. Uh, he does so and manages to extract some intel. Meanwhile, uh, after she's released, Control finds Yassim in Canada, where he tells her at gunpoint uh, that he is not a terrorist, that he won the Nautilus game, flashback to the Nautilus episode. Yeah. Uh, and was hired along with his friends to do a bioinformatics project. As soon as they finished, they were passed along to control as terrorist control stone cold bitch that she is shoots him anyway. Finally, the child of the corn shows back up at the chief of staff's office and using his, uh, stock tips to prove his weirdness, uh, insists that he would like to speak with the president. Control goes back to work, but has a clearly suspicious look on her face. And Reese and Root head upstate to upstate New York following uh, the tips that Finch extracted uh, regarding an, a refrigerated tr- truck that left the stock exchange right after their fire fight. Control finally heads to the stock exchange looking for proof of Finch's claims and notices that the paint on the walls is wet. So I have a question. Yeah. How much, like, would that stock market knowledge be enough to convince you for the creepy kid? No. Okay. I'm just like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what is, the, what evidence would you need to let some creepy 10 year old see the president of the United States? I feel like, I, I mean, feel like the, the, the ways that like, the way that Root does it of just like pulling up like, endless litanies of background on people of like you know like pulling out like the thing with 
that Lionel was named after the fucking lion cub, right? That's yeah. the perfect example for me. But also that the thing I think it's a great example though of the difference between the machine and Samaritan. Samaritan doesn't give a shit about people. It isn't it has I don't think that it couldn't have figured that out, but it's not trained to think about people that way. It thinks about systems, I think, and whether things fit into systems. And so for it, getting the stock market to a very specific number and then showing off because it knows where that number is going to be is the is is very much a, a Samaritan way of doing it. Whereas the machine thinks about people because that's how Finch trained it. Yeah. And so of course the machine knows what where Lionel got where Lionel's name came from mm-hmm. because it's spent it's Lionel, whether he knows it or not, is one of the machine's agents. And the machine has thought about Lionel and has looked at all of the data about him and knows exactly where that came from. And but I agree that I mean is a much better way of engaging with that with a person mm-hmm. to get to to get their trust. But Samaritan doesn't really want his trust. He just wants to scare him. Yeah. I think my fir- my first note on this episode is that Control scolding her daughter for violent video games is such Republican levels of hypocrisy. I'm 100% confident that we can guess which party she votes for. <laughs> I also love Control. The chief of staff comes in like all ready to scold her. And she's like, oh, are you here to talk about the 583 people I've killed for you? Is that what you're here to talk about? The 583 people, foreign and abroad, that I have extrajudiciously executed in the name under the orders of your president? Yeah. And the guy is just like, oh, and just backs right up. You you, you know that control has a drone. You know that uh, control has a drone strike fetish. (laughs) God, control is such a piece of work. (laughs) I love control, even though, like, in reality, like, the real world version of control is absolutely someone I would hate, but like the TV version of control is great. Yeah, no, the control, the, the, the real life version of control is a hundred percent less cool and is just as terrible, but you know, it's fiction. Let fictional characters do awful things because yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my other note for this episode <laughs> is correct, Lionel. The Red Wings do suck uh, because Lionel has a terrific line in this where uh, he's in the van as Finch is uh, uh, is hacking the phone and he overhears one of the uh, ISA agents referring to uh, like a group of ISA like operatives as Red Wing. And he's like, after he knocks the guy out with like a stack of books or something, he he's like, and the Red Wings suck. Also, it, Justin, you caught this. Isn't the dude that he knocks out cheaty? Yeah. So the dude, the 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 tech support guy in the van for for the ISA team is William Jackson Harper. That's amazing. And, and a in a good place for all, which I was like, that voice. I know that voice. And I was like, that's amazing. And it was like I had to I had to look it up, and I'm like, oh my god, it is him. Amazing. But yeah, I thought it was hilarious that we've established that like 
Fusco was a hockey man. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was very funny that he was like, you know, the Red Wings suck. And Fitch is like, I don't think he was talking about hockey. And he's like, still needs to be said. <laughs> yeah. Godspeed. And I continue to just adore Fosco in last episode in this one where he's like, you know, he doesn't really understand what's going on or what Samaritan I is, but he's here for his friends. He's like, yeah. he's ride or die. Open, I, they are openly discussing what's going on around like ASIs and Samaritan and all and this stuff. And he's still got a white he's box. he's still not a yellow box. My, my, he's still not a yellow my, box. My man is, my man is vibes like he is just ride or die he doesn't need he doesn't need to know the meta plot and it's and it's not like he's stupid either no he just doesn't no no he knows that they are on the side of the side of the angels (laughs) and he knows that they are in it to save people and that's all he He, needs he knows that they have made him a better person for doing this work and that they save lives and that's it He's like, look, it was good enough for Carter. It's good enough for me. Yeah. I, I love And Fosco. he doesn't. He's great. He's so good. Can you, I would love, I I just love, you hated Fuzco so much yeah. when we started yeah. this. Yeah, like the first few episodes, I mean, he was such a slime ball. Uh, yeah. But I, I could not have predicted in a million years that he would become like, he, you would like, such a favorite. Like, like. If we had to, like, if we had to rank, if they died, how upset would you be? Like, spit. Oh, 100%. Like, Fusco's Fusco, on like, the top. <laughs> Fusco's on the yeah. top, honestly. Like, you know, if we hit the, if we hit the series finale and, like, everybody else kicks it, like, as long as Fusco survives, like, the cockroach, parentheses, affectionate. He, he is a cockroach. I lo- he, he is our, he is our cockroach. See, and what's, well, that's why he won't I, die. I not, yeah, he's a hundred percent that there's that. But for me, it's also because Fusco, all of them are people that have like dedicated their lives to this or have made this their life. Fusco is a cop who kind of just got like shepherd hooked into this. Yes. And my yeah, man he- actually cares about his day job. He does. He cares about his day job. But he's he's somebody's dad. He's he he got dragged into a, this literally at gunpoint. Uh, literally, I believe. I believe technically it was at grenade point. The grenade went off. Split hairs. Yeah, the, the grenade, grenade went off. Yeah. I believe that once you fire the gun, you are no longer at gun. You're no longer being held at gunpoint. You've just been shot. So yes. I, well, and he was shot too. Then by that by that metric, he was not at gunpoint. He was shot several times. It was corpse point. Yes. He was dragged into this at corpse point. Yeah. And anyway, he's just, this is a guy who was more or less dragged into being a better person and is now just here because it's, he, he, it's the right thing. He's doing good things while he's here. And the rest of them are, you know, They've all kind of got nothing left to nothing left to lose, mm-hmm. but Fusco does, and he's still there giving as much as they yeah. are. Bless him. It also comes down to the actor yeah. who is just so charming in the role. Um, anyway, uh, this episode, I love 
the reunion torture scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I love the, there's so much to, there's so much about it that I like the, the fact that control is clearly not, not the first time control has been tortured very clearly. Cause she is not at all phased yeah. by this experience. Literally the only thing in the whole experience that she looks uncomfortable with is when she learns that Samaritan agents have been outside her house. That's yeah. the only time she looks phased. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Ru- uh, has a moment with her, uh, taser where when she brings it out, she gives it a little look where she's clearly remembering the, the, the time that she w- used it on the times she's used it on root or on Shaw. Um, I'm a hundred percent serious. If you don't think that's what that smile is meant to, to, to make you think of, but I, I, I think, I don't know which one of you did it, but I saw in those, one of you pointed out that. She says there's, you know, one of them, either Root or Reese says there's no good cops here. And then Finch rolls in and stops her from stopping yeah, uh, yeah. Control's heart. So clearly there is a good well, cop. Yeah. It's just not one of I them. I feel like it's actually ambiguous within the course of the episode whether um, whether Control is meant to, whether Root is actually about to go out of control and potentially stop her heart yeah. or whether that's still all of an all an act, you know. Oh, I don't. I I think. Oh, I think it's entirely I think, an I think, act. <laughs> oh, I'm on the I'm on the opposite well, I, side. I think because because I mean because we learn a couple of minutes later that this is all just a play for Samaritan. Yeah. Or, for, or to yeah, get but Samaritan. I think like I that, think that would have, it I accomplishes think, two things. It gets the Samaritan phone so that they can try to get Intel and Shaw, and it plants the seed of doubt and control, which I think is a important secondary objective. Yeah. Because I think, I think that killing control, at least in the, in the framework of this episode doesn't have a purpose because they know that, because the fact is they're here for the, for the Samaritan phone. So they know control isn't actually control. Doesn't know. I think that in, I think, I think Finch has that certainty. I think Reese is probably like 98% there, but I think that I think that Root would happily kill Control if she thought there was a 1% chance that it gave her any intel on Shaw. Well, except that there's a 0% chance because you can't get intel out of a corpse, right? No, but I mean yeah. like if she thought that like a couple of shocks to the chest would potentially loosen Control's mouth, she would do it. And, and even did if it. it <laughs> yeah. Even if, if it led to her eventual death, she'd be, she'd be fine yeah. with that. But the, the seed of doubt, doubt is planted there, you know? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about one of my season predictions too. Which one was I, that? I predicted that, um, control would turn ally or at least, or at least like, if not, ally ally than like temporary ally that my my prediction was against that like samaritan. she would turn against samaritan after seeing that like samaritan is bad actually or like yeah mm-hmm. um and i th- i feel like also this is this episode is really interesting because i think that in the long run starts to show that samaritan has wildly underestimated its ability to control control um and Here's hoping that bites it in the ass. Controls 
plot line will will progress. I, I'm like, yeah, it's going to go in some interesting directions. I look, I look forward to uh, to seeing it. I also, I also like that this was a you know, the the John and Root rampage here. Yeah. Um, very much mirrors the rampage that John and Shaw went on after yeah. you know, to avenge Carter. Like it's it's like ski masks, T bones, and rocket launchers. Yeah, and like and meanwhile, the, John the just rampage like slowly beating to death. Yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, Reese really only has four moves, uh, and one of them is bleeding to especially death, especially when he's. Especially when he's angry. Yeah. Uh, ski masks, rocket launchers, T-boning things and bleeding. So Godspeed, man. You do you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode is, I know I made a very long summary out of this episode, but it's actually a super tight episode. Yeah. It's just a lot happens in it, in that tightness. Yeah. And, but it really fundamentally, this episode is just like control doesn't, Control is is made to not trust Samaritan, and the team hacks a Samaritan phone to find out to get a lead on Shaw. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the gist of it. I really hope we find out what those what what exactly those programmers were doing because they had to be programming something that was part that's part of Samaritan. Well, I googled because I don't know what the fuck bioinformatics is. Oh, I I know what bio, I know what bioinformatics is, <laughs> but please 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 enlighten the the listeners. Well, okay. According to <laughs> according to the NIH, bioinformatics is defined as the application of tools of computation and analysis to the capture and interpretation of biological data. Think like the the evolution of like remember the the like protein folding screensaver thing that we okay. all used to be able yeah. to mm-hmm. do for like you know, using our spare computer cycles to, like, do science shit. Um, so it's, it's like, stuff like that. Um, so it tends to be, like, large data sorts of things um, and, you know, modeling modeling systems. And it's often, often tends to be modeling systems in a more, like, not modeling from kind of, like, first principles and, and modeling, like, how how the various like steps in the process work, but modeling the end result. So that's not at all terrifying that Samaritan would be interested in. Right. No, no. Right. (laughs) Uh, But it's also like, you know, I think it's something where it'd be pretty plausible for based on the description of the kind of coding that they're doing. It'd be pretty plausible to say that they're working at a bioinformatics company where like they're just doing generic code and they just are just like, you know, the, the, the data has been changed that the columns are labeled like cell line A and cell line B or whatever, instead of like NSA feed A and NSA feed B. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, that's, that's very plausibly entirely a front. The other thing about this episode is how fucking depressing it is that he, he says, Yassim says at one point that like, we probably were picked for this project because of how we oh, looked. Yeah. yeah. And it's terrifying. I mean, it sucks that he's right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That Samaritan picked smart men that were Middle Eastern so that when it was done with them, it could feed them to the ISA as a threat 
call them terrorists and have them removed so that there couldn't be a, so that there wouldn't be any loose ends. God, what I mean, on the heels of last episode and the discussions of like sacrificing pawns. Woof. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it really illustrates the enormous difference in philosophy between these two yeah. machine these two systems. Like Samaritan is just throwing away these human beings like they're trash. Yeah. It as as the as time goes on, we will we will see increasingly how different Samaritan and the machine yeah. are. Um it's not just that it's not just that like the machine has a you know has been told not to kill people or it or has been given a rule to like save people. Uh, there is a some really fundamental stuff going on with the machine. I also wonder, like, Samaritan is running on like really sophisticated hardware, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's not. One wonders, like, how good of an ASI is it? Yeah, it's a good question because it sometimes. It, it comes down to like maybe it's it, it could be that it's very good at like big problem stuff, but it's not good at people, and that may be the difference. Um, because it doesn't seem to be as adept at handling individuals as this as the machine is. I think it is because it is looking at a very zoomed out view compared to the machine. It's a macro versus micro thing. Well, and and I think actually my tangent there about like bioinformatics and like systems modeling, I think is actually relevant because I feel like the machine has been modeled, like the machine has been built so that it models from the ground up Mm -hmm. that it like, it starts with basic information and then interpret like models from there, like kind of forms a network of possibilities and stuff like that. Um, Whereas I feel like Samaritan may in fact be doing modeling of the observations without trying to model the back end. It doesn't really care about how how we got to how things are now. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna fit it's just it's it's gonna fit the black box model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, yay, Crimson Team back. I, I do enjoy Crimson Team and John realizing that Grace is the one who let Root go. Yeah. As they're like beating each other to a pulp. Yes. With like tire irons and whatever else they can get their hands oh, on. I love that. Love that shit. Yeah, it's like, I like Grice is like, oh, hey, he is the, he's, he's the dude who's like, oh, yeah, no, I remember how this used to be. And I remember when we like actually had to do investigations. Right. Good. Grice is a character that like would probably earlier in the show, they would have probably tried to like get him to like join the team. Yeah. But now it's not that kind of, sh- it's not that kind of world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I do find it interesting just how like, you know, I think that there's a, like a level of like, maybe there's like an, ins- I like, especially since Shaw has been out there's sort of this insularity to the team. Mm hmm. Like that they're like, no, we have our we have our group now. We're not letting other people in yeah. because we have been hurt before. Yeah. Yeah. I do hope that Leon comes back at some point though. Sorry. <laughs> no more Leon. He was only in season two, if if I remember right. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any more Leon appearances. Rip, he, 
Leon was such a good character. Yeah. I don't have, I don't think I have anything else for this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, beyond just like Chekhov's rocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to imagine that whoever's like, whoever like did this is like, why? Like, when, the, when you saw that episode earlier in the season, like, why do we have this hanging thread of the rocket? It could come in handy later. Right, right. <laughs> it's not hard to imagine that team putting a rocket launcher to good use. Yeah. I mean, I, I th- and it's funny because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, if that episode hadn't happened and they showed up with a rocket launcher, it probably still would have been incredibly believable. That, yeah. No, they show up with an anti-tank missile. Um. <laughs> And like that's, that's know, a totally normal thing that John would probably have under his bed. Yeah, right? but the fact is, it's like that. It's like, <laughs> oh no, this is Chekhov's rocket launcher. It just makes it so good, right? Yeah, it's amazing. It's also it's also interesting watching uh, watching the the government folks start to have buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean yeah. we can't? What do you mean that we just get told what to do? What do you mean you can shut yeah. off the system? Go figure, like, you gave it to this. It's not just plausible deniability. You you, you outsourced it. Yeah. Yep. See, this is what happens when you privatize important governmental functions. <laughs> Including surveillance AI. I... I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, this is, this is, this is like a whole thing of like, I'm not advocating for government surveillance of all of us, you know. <laughs> but, I, but and, if it does, they shouldn't outsource it. Yeah. I like the only yes, thing God, worse than God that help would us. be outsourcing it because it would be like Elon would lowball a bit or something. <laughs> We'd have to, I'd have to re like, there would have to be a press release about Government surveillance 2.0. Our new initiative for is uh, gathering information on the American public. <laughs> I but but I, what about but what about government surveillance blue? Okay, you both can go to hell because I have to sleep now, and now I, I have that in my mind. So I I use a I use a Twitter I use like a Twitter like this is gonna be what we're gonna end on today. I use a Twitter like uh, I use TweetDeck and. Mm-hmm. I have an extension called Better Tweet Deck, which just adds additional options. One of those is that it checks for people who are subscribed to Twitter Blue and replaces their check mark with a clown emoji. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> because the only people who pay for Twitter are clowns. Beautiful. And on that note, next time we will be covering uh, episodes 13 and 14 of season four MIA and Guilty. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. 